<laughs> you, uh, by doing that one clip, have ruined my life. <laughs> That was the best thing I've ever done at 1 a.m. Nope. I was like, and you made me record myself, send you a video of me listening to it for the first time. And I was like, ha 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 ha, you bitch. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) Cool. I got to hear my voice say it over and over again. And now I know from now on not to imitate songs because you'll try to take them and turn them into something. No, you have to keep going. I just won't ever turn it into a song again. (laughs) Uh. I write parody songs that are gold, but you use that. Uh, <laughs> also, apparently, we have a listener who said we we spent too much time talking about cats. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. My friend Corey listened, and he was like, I was like, oh, would you like it? And he's like, well, my whole drive to work was just you talking about space cats, so thanks for that. And I was like, oh, well. Sorry if you don't like pussy, bro. Not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> um... Couple things we recorded some stuff on TikTok, so if you've got one, go watch. It took way too much time, but we did do true crime and like under a minute stuff, which was kind of cool. Yeah, but you could watch me not know what to do with my face because I'm talking and I'm like Same. overdoing my lips because I'm like everyone can see me, and if I look sad, I look sad. But if I smile, it looks like I'm happy about death, and it's not good either. <laughs> so the whole time I'm looking like I'm having a stroke. One side of my mouth is like hello. Looks like Peter Griffin, you know. I kind of realized for the first time that, like, I can selfie and make myself look good, but, like, videoing myself talking, I'm like, ugh, this is not, this is a little scary. See, maybe that's different, because me doing TikToks made me realize how cute I am. Like, my story time about, like, naked meth man, I'm like, damn, I look cute. (laughs) You did look cute. I have my little choke horn, I'm like, look at you, you little slut. Oh, you're adorable. (laughs) And then our podcast TikTok ended up on lesbian TikTok, and we're not upset about it, so. Nope. And then we realized that we're technically an LGBTQ plus podcast, so welcome to Every Day is Pride Month with us, motherfuckers. Yeah. So, oh, for people who don't know, I am kind of gay, I guess. I mean, I'm, I get there more and more every day. We're working on it, <laughs> y'all. We're working on it. <laughs> Um, oh. anything to tell me about this week? Um, 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 not really. Good, you could stop talking because you know it's all about me. So, uh, <laughs> I say that, but I'm like literally the most humble person ever. And I'm like, Taylor, can I get a ride? You know what? Never mind. <laughs> I know it's on your way, but it's such an inconvenience. And then on the podcast, I'm like, Psh, bitch, it's me. Um, Move over, ho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so couple things. First, I, um, Kyrie has a bully at the daycare. No, it's okay. I handled it. It was like, I was like, be the better person, Kyrie. Be the better person. Until I picked her up one day and I heard the little girl say, your mom is ugly. And then Kyrie went, my mom is beautiful. You're ugly. Okay. So whatever. So then I talked to Kyrie. uh, Girl, you ready for this level? It's my worst fucking nightmare. No, it's okay. The level, I, I taught Kyrie. She's petty now. So, <laughs> so anytime, uh, anytime she makes you upset or she bullies you, I want you to make fun of her name. But don't be like, hey, your name sounds like butt crack. Nothing like that. Her name is Paisley. That's right, Paisley. I'm outing you to everyone. So in 20 years when you're on the podcast, <laughs> oh. 
Oh okay. my fucking god. Okay. So her name is Paisley. So I said, Kyrie, every time she says something, I want you to do it like this. So I'm not going to tell you what I told her because Kyrie makes her own decisions. So Paisley said something like, your shirt is stupid. And Kyrie said, okay, Presley. So then the next day she was like, I don't like your shoes. And Kyrie said, okay, Pugsley. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was like, your hair is ugly. And she's like, cool, Pesley. <laughs> so every day she, and she's like, my name is Paisley. And Kyrie's like, okay, Pugsley. <laughs> And Kyrie's like, it makes her mad and she leaves me alone. And I'm like, good job. That's how you do it. Don't be mean. Just, you know, when somebody's like, well, you're ugly. Okay, Pugsley. <laughs> so Paisley, it's like, she's leaving Kyrie alone because she's getting mad that she's getting all these fake names. So it's working. Oh my God, that stresses me out so much. <laughs> and I know... <laughs> I'm a little aggravated because you didn't tell me about my girl Kyrie getting bullied because you wanted to save it for this moment. And that's why this podcast isn't so great because I had to go on somewhere. And- but yeah, so Kyrie's handling it. I mean, she's being I the just- bigger, <laughs> being the bigger oh, person. When she said, all right, Pesley. And I was like, <laughs> Kyrie said, I called her Pesley, like Pez dispenser, except <laughs> Pez dispensers are actually useful. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Um, so that happened, which was pretty funny. Oh, my God. girl's getting it. She's hysterical. She's got my level, okay? Um, <laughs> and then, a little backstory. My dad's in the hospital right now, and he's just not doing really well. Which, I mean, I've made it known before. My dad's got some problems. But, he's in the hospital right now, and he had a stroke a long time ago. And because he's sick, his stroke is making his stutter really bad. So, the more sick he gets, the more it's noticeable. Okay? Whatever. So, he's... I told my dad, if you, the different, the part of your brain that helps you sing is different than the part that speaks, which is why Ozzy Osbourne, but then he gave me like, back at the moon. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's a different part of your brain. <laughs> or when people stutter, they can sing. So I told yeah. my dad, listen, if there's something really important you got to get out and you need to do it fast and you can't stop stuttering, I need you to just sing. If the nurse comes in and you're having an emergency, instead of be like, uh, 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 just sing it. You know what I mean? Because it could be life or death. Well, yeah. my dad took that advice. And he was telling me, he does that thing that dads do when they, like, reminisce about old times. And he's like, I remember that one time I beat your mom's boyfriend up. Because my mom's a piece of crap and walked out when I was two to start a whole new life with a piece of crap man. So mm-hmm. he was talking about it. And then he started stuttering really bad. And he was trying to get it out. And I said, dad, come on, you can do it. And then my dad just bust out in song. Cause your mom's a big piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's not what I meant. (laughs) This is not an emergency. But he just, I mean, he belted out. Cause your mom's a big piece of shit. That's hilarious. (laughs) I'm like, y'all, if you ever want to know where I get all of this from, (laughs) it's that. (laughs) I love that story. And you told me earlier, I was like, that's the best thing. (laughs) Like, my dad is a pain in the ass and he drives me nuts, but I love him. And shit like that solidifies it. (laughs) Because when something happens, like, my dad's going to die eventually. It may be this year, it may be 10 years from now. We don't know. But when he does and I'm giving a eulogy, I'm going to tell everyone about that. Oh, God. When everyone's like, he was a good man. We liked him. 
when everyone's telling, I'm just going to come up and be like, my dad was a piece of crap, but he was my piece of crap. He drove me nuts. And one time he sang to me, <laughs> he sang me lullaby. <laughs> and I'm going to tell everyone about how he called my mom a huge piece of shit. <laughs> I love you, daddy. <laughs> also, by the way, my dad found out today he's had his foot's been broken for three weeks and he had no idea. <laughs> God. He says, you think I feel pain? I ain't no pussy. <laughs> <laughs> but the doctor's like, you didn't feel it because you have an infection in your foot. So that kind of overwhelmed your nervous system. So you didn't feel it. And my dad's like, that's not true. I didn't feel it because I'm tough. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so that's pretty much it. Kyrie's got a bully that she handled with all the pettiness in the world. So get it, girl. When she said, okay, Pugsley, and I'm like, hey, Kyrie, you dropped something. You're crowned, because you're a motherfucking queen. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's that, and then my dad, my dad is the king of fucking burns. Like, I almost tried to find my mother and be like, you need aloe vera, because my dad just burned you. But <laughs> Alright. So, we've been going ten minutes. Do you want to start this thing? Sure. I keep seeing you lift that wine glass. What are you drinking? Um, I went to Aldi's today, and you know my winking owl that's two eighty nine that I live by. Yeah. They introduce. I guess they know that it's quarantine and people like me need more wine. So instead of having like three types of wine, they now have like eight. So I shamelessly bought three bottles of wine. Yes. Because I'm like. Pulling them like Pokemon, I'm like, gotta try them all, gotta try them all, winking owl. Somebody's calling you. No, um, <laughs> I couldn't plug it in, my phone into my computer, because I have the microphone plugged in, so I have it plugged into my work computer next to me, and then it just registered again. It's like, would you like this computer to access your photos? Um, fuck no, I have nudes, and that's a work computer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right i'm on my third glass let's do this um do you remember my hint which was highly inappropriate i don't want to say it again um, i'm surprised we didn't get a bad email he's not your friend you don't want to have him over for dinner and that inappropriate thing yeah yeah well the reason i said he's not my friend is because i'm sure you've heard of the movie or i read the book i didn't want to watch the movie i read the book um <laughs> Jeff, my, what is it? My friend Jeffrey or my friend Dahmer. Yeah. Yeah. It's called my friend Dahmer and no, he's not my friend and no, I don't want him for dinner. Cause you guys, I'm covering Jeffrey Dahmer, the people Dahmer. (laughs) (laughs) I thought this would be a good one. I I know it's, don't worry. It's not like that. Actually, this was way better than your Isaugi person, that Japanese cannibal. Yeah. Because we actually never hear about Jeffrey Dahmer eating someone. It's speculation. Oh. We'll get to that. I mean, we're pretty sure, but we don't actually have confirmed, like, any confirmed info. Well, damn. Yeah. So we, we're pretty weird. Su- we're pretty sure he's a cannibal, but we never have to hear about it because he doesn't actually talk about it. You'll see. So it's not that bad. That's crazy. Um, yeah, because everyone think knows. of him. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. You'll see. Um, like, your guy actually talked about eating people. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer kind of alluded to it by the things in his apartment. 
but he never confirmed nor denied it. So maybe he didn't, but I'm pretty sure he did because he's a psycho. Um, <laughs> but I was like, this one's a heavy hitter. And I, nobody ever covers him on big podcasts because I think he's so fucked up. But I also read like a list that was like, if you're into true crime, these are the top 10 people you should know about. And Jeffrey Dahmer comes up on all of them. And I feel like nobody knows about him. They know he eats people and that's it. Do you know anything about Jeffrey Dahmer? No. Not really, no. No, but everyone knows him. You could pick him out in a photo lineup, but you can't say nothing. I want to watch the movie, though. I already told you about it. It's not accurate. They, like, Did added you watch more... it? No, they added more stuff to it to make it more dramatic. Well, yeah, I figured that. So I'll talk about it after, because when I tell the story, there'll be stuff. And if I talk about it now, it won't make sense. Um, okay. So let's do this, y'all. I'm glad I'm covering Jeffrey Dahmer with a good mic. Because <laughs> I feel like if yeah. it would have been like poor Ed Kemper, that, that episode was so bad. It was so good, but it was so bad. All right, let's start. Jeffrey Dahmer was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on May 21st, 1960 to Joyce Annette and Lionel Herbert. I almost said Hubert. Herbert Dahmer. Uh, Dahmer's mother was a teletype machine instructor. Don't know what that is. Yeah. Okay. I was hoping you did. And his father was a student at Marquette University. He was working towards his degree in chemistry. And his chemistry skills will actually come back later and help create the monster that is Dahmer. Um, His mother was known as tense and greedy for attention and pity and always argumentative to her husband and her neighbors. I cut out a ton of stuff because this is a lot of information and I didn't want this to be a really long episode, but essentially like it broke down to the fact that if she felt that her husband wasn't paying enough attention to her, she would feign an illness. I don't feel good. And he'll be like, Oh my God, what's wrong? And then like, it got to the point where she like tried to overdose on pills so that she would be so sick. He had to stay home and help her. Oh, lovely. Which is why Jeffrey Dahmer was so ignored because his mom was so busy with herself, and her his dad was so busy trying to please his mom, but, like, poor Jeffy Dahmer here, he didn't really stand much of a chance. So he was energetic and happy when he was a kid, um, but then he had to have double hernia surgery, <laughs> double hernia surgery when he was four, like, when they cut your stomach open. Four. That is a lot. That's something really Yikes. hard to go through. So the recovery for that surgery is, like, eight weeks, and you can't really move. So after that, um, Jeffrey also started to notice his parents were always arguing. So Jeffrey kind of became timid and quiet because he's struggling from the surgery. He's four. He doesn't understand why he's in pain. Now his parents are fighting. So his first grade teacher noted on his report card that she believed he was suffering from neglect. So like, could you imagine getting a report card where you're being called out as a bad parent? And you're like, A, B, A, C, notes. Not very talkative. I'm pretty sure you're abusing him. Please contact me. Um, yeah. So she noted on it that she believed he was suffering from neglect, but assumed it had to do with his mother being sick because his mother was always making herself sick. Jeffrey did have friends, but not that many. He chose to keep a small group. And this is where Jeffrey kind of stands out from other serial killers. Most serial killers do not interact with anyone. They struggle to, to hold a yeah. communication with people. They do form like romantic love interests, but I think a lot of times that's just a cover Jeffrey Dahmer actually had friends. And he actually gets kind of popular. It's really strange. He he broke the mold on serial killers. And that's why people have a hard time cracking what made Jeffrey Dahmer Jeffrey Dahmer. 
So starting early, Jeffrey so showed some like scary signs though. So you know the ones that start like, yep, this kid's gonna be a serial killer. You know that? All right. Yeah. Like mine was my son's school picture that one year. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he had a huge interest in dead animals. Not my son, Jeffrey. So, yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer had a huge interest in dead animals. It started with, like, a, a simple blood collection, which doesn't sound crazy. Then it turned a into him collect Blood collection. I like, thought you said like, blood. Okay, maybe like, that too. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, no, we're thinking more like Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris blood collection, not Billy, um, hmm. God, he was married to Angelina Jolie. Remember? Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, where they had a blood, like a blood collection. So we're thinking more Chris mm-hmm. Pratt and Anna Ferris than. Okay. Okay, yeah. So then he started collecting dead animals from the road. Um, he would often dismember the animals either at home or in the woods behind his house. He would keep. Um, he would often store the animal body parts in jars in a tool shed. I, I okay. <laughs> I mean, of course, nobody was really paying attention to him, it doesn't seem like. But if that was my kid, I'd be like, okay, time to go to therapy. Like, holy shit. They had no clue. They were too busy fighting to notice that their son was over here, like American Horror Story in a shed. Like, just cutting up animals. He's like, got a secret, got to keep it. (laughs) Taking this one to the grave. No, um, they didn't notice. Um, this is gross. He once told a friend he would... He was keeping them so that he could dismember the animals and then put them together to see how they fitted together. Like, Ugh. like putting, <laughs> like, a squirrel's head on a dog's body. That kind of stuff. <gasps> and on one occasion, he actually decapitated a dead dog and then nailed its body to a tree. So cool. we're starting cool. off real strong. <sighs> I need wine. I should get what, wine. <laughs> where... What are his parents doing? Like, he's just in the back, and they're like, what you doing back there, Jeffy? And he's like, nothing. <laughs> Against a tree, and they're like, that Jeff. I'm texting Mikey right now to bring me some fucking wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl, strap in. Buckle up. All right, when Jeffrey was six, when he was six in 1966, the family relocated to Doylestown, Ohio. Girl, we're getting close to home, huh? Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, at this time, Joyce, his mother, was actually pregnant with Jeffrey's little brother. Did you know that Jeffrey had a brother? No. So that means that Jeffrey's brother is still alive. Because he was born in 1966. Hmm. So that guy's like 52. Could you imagine being like, yep, I'm Jeffrey Dahmer's brother. I'd be, well, I'd be changing my name. Nope, they never changed her name. I'll get back to that later. Alright, so at this time she was pregnant with his brother. She gave birth on December 18th, 1966, and they actually allowed Jeffrey to name the baby. So then he chose to name the baby David. Um, Like, just a simple name. And I'm surprised it wasn't Lucifer or something crazy, but he chose David. Um, Hold on, I'm getting my wine delivery. Please hold. Oh, yes. My next, please. Thank I'm empty. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for the wine. This is no. very uh, horrific, so I'm going to need this. Thank you. Okay. Tell them who we're doing. Tell them who we're doing. We're doing Jeffrey Tell- Dahmer. Fun. Dinner time. I was just cooking. <laughs> he said, did you hear him? <laughs> he said, fun dinner time. 
He said, fun, dinner time. I was just cooking a meal. Great. <laughs> okay, got my wine. Continue. <laughs> okay. All right. So he chose David. Around the same time, Lionel had earned his degree and actually started working as an analytical chemist in Akron, Ohio. Girl, we know where Akron is. We're getting too close. <sighs> but this actually allowed him to have more time at home instead of working. Because, I mean, getting a chemical degree involves a lot of, of study. I mean, you know that. Isn't your stepdad like a, chem- a chemical engineer? Okay. Yep. Takes a lot of time. But yep. now that he has a job, he's able to stay home just a little bit more. Two years later, they moved to Bath Township, Ohio. Uh, Jeffrey was now very placid and lethargic, and he was always alone. He started to become really withdrawn. Around that time when Jeffrey was 10, over a chicken dinner, Jeffrey asked his dad what would happen if bones of the chicken were placed in bleach. I mean, that sounds like standard dinner conversation. His dad... Is he a chemical engineer at this point? Yep. So his dad mistook this for a scientific interest and Mm -hmm. got really excited. And he was like, yay! So then he taught his son all about bleaching bones to preserve them. Cute! Family bonding. (laughs) It's like, little did he know what he was doing. Because he thought, oh my gosh, little Jeffy wants to know about what I do. Yeah, nope, sorry dad. (laughs) You done fucked up A.A. Ron. Um, (laughs) So Jeffrey attended Rivera High School and he had very few friends. He He would sneak beer and liquor into school in the lining of his jacket. So literally cut his jacket open, put bottles and like resealed it. I mean, I can't say that he wasn't smart. That was actually pretty ingenious. But he was getting drunk on campus from the age of 14. And then when people said, you know, what are you drinking? He would call it his medicine. So he's 14 getting drunk. When I was 14, I was telling people to spell I cup. Okay. So when Jeffrey hit puberty, (laughs) when Jeffrey hit puberty, he figured out he was gay. Um, but of course he didn't tell his parents. I mean, this is the seventies. I didn't know this. I didn't know any of this. I'm so interested right now. I mean, I knew he was gay. I didn't. Most of the guys, most of the guys he killed were sexual partners. I thought you knew that. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) And Taylor says she's into true crime. Um, (laughs) so he figured out he was gay. Like a goldfish. We have discussed this. (laughs) So he figured out he was gay, but he didn't tell his parents. I mean, and it makes sense. I mean, this is like the 70s at this point, you know, because if mm-hmm. he was 14 and he was born in, yeah. So this is the 70s. It's really not, it's not a good time. I, I don't think, I mean, there was, I think the gay raids were over, but it still wasn't like the age of enlightenment and people actually being able to be gay out. So he didn't tell his parents. And in an interview, he would later admit at this time, it was when he started sexually fantasizing about dominating and controlling a a submissive male partner, which gradually grew into, to include the thought of dissecting a man. So, yeah, I mean, it's okay to be, I mean, it's okay to be into like the idea of dominating. I mean, that's BDSM. But when you're talking about like, like dissecting a man, uh, things are getting a little dark. How old at this point? 14 14 yeah he's like 14 yeah he's a teenager now no he's not he's not a kid anymore like i said he hit puberty realized he was gay no still i was thinking like we're we were at like adulthood by now no not yet so jeffrey developed an interest in, in a male that he would see jogging by and like he knew his schedule so he saw him every day and he decided one day to finally conjure up a plan to actually make his weird fantasy real. 
This is a teenage boy who has finally decided he's going to rape and dissect a man. Um, so he planned to hide in a bush with a bat and he waited. He was excited to attack the man and rape his unconscious body, only to find that the jogger actually didn't take the same route that day. This literally saved that guy. He yeah. was so disappointed that he never attempted that plan again. So he was just off put. So when I say that the movie changed things, the movie shows like this time period of his life. And in the movie, it shows him waiting in by the bushes to find this jogger. But the movie kind of changed it in the fact that the jogger was also his therapist. And he started seeing this therapist and fell in love with him. And then tried mm-hmm. to, it was more of a drama thing. They were trying to make it more crazy, like... He saw him as a, his, his doctor, and then he started to follow him, realized he had a jogging route, and waited for him. But this was just a random guy. Um, so that's where the movie got it wrong. So Jeffrey still maintained the image of a loner, but he started to pick up the role as a class clown, pulling pranks, but only for attention, not to gain friends. He didn't care if they liked him. He just loved the attention he got. Yeah. He pulled so many pranks that it actually garnered the expression of doing a Dahmer. So if you oh. pulled a prank... You were doing a Dahmer. Could, uh, I hope all those kids who said that when all this came out were like, we fucked up. Yeah. Um, so, and do I even get into that? No, I don't. Okay. So real quick, I didn't put this in, but Jeffrey, like, his mom had an interior designer that had cerebral palsy, so he kind of, like, had a tick, and, like, he would pull his wrist into his hand, and he would sometimes shout weird noises. Yeah. And Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite prank, in quotations, oh was to imitate him at school. Oh, God. So okay. they thought it was funny that he was making fun of somebody who's handicapped. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I found that out mm-hmm. in the book. Which, All right, so as his alcoholism grew, so his grades declined. His parents tried to help by hiring a tutor, but he had very little success. The same year, they consulted a marriage counselor, but it didn't work. So finally, his parents got a divorce and his dad moved out. His mom, Joyce, was awarded custody of Jeffrey and the younger son, but, like, one day just left the house, moved out, and in with family, and left Jeffrey behind. So he was 18. Just, like, alone in the house? Yeah, well, he was, he just turned 18. And so legally, Hmm. he's an adult, and he could stay home alone, but instead of being like, you should come with me, she's just like, you're good, but didn't tell his dad that she moved out so he could move back in. So his dad was still living in a hotel. And his mom, Joyce, took David, his little brother, and moved to Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Hmm. Um, so just Jeffrey's just alone in this house. And despite all this, he actually still graduated in May of 1978. Is your wine okay, girl? Or are you just looking at it because you're trying to escape? <laughs> no, it's fine. I just saw something and I was trying to figure out what it is, but it, it was just writing on the other side. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, she's trying to drown herself in this cup. Alright, so Jeffrey had been alone for now three weeks, which allowed him to explore his sick fantasies. On June 18th, Jeffrey came across a hitchhiker by the name of Stephen Mark Hicks. Stephen was actually trying to make his way to a rock concert in Lockwood Corners, so he decided that he was going to give the 18-year-old a ride. He used this to lure the teenager to his home in the offer of drinking. Like, hey, before you go to the concert, why don't you come drink with me, you know, pregame. So the guy goes with him. After several hours of drinking and listening to music, Stephen wanted to leave. But Jeffrey said, no, I don't want you to go. So Stephen insisted that he leave. So in order to stop him before he could leave, Jeffrey bludgeoned Stephen with a 10-pound dumbbell. 
He had oh. struck him twice from behind as Stephen sat in, an un- sat in a chair unknowing. Stephen was now unconscious and had fallen to the ground. Trigger warning! Where Jeffrey then strangled him to- with a bar from the dumbbell. Like he's on top of him holding it down. He then stripped the body naked and began to <clears throat> masturbate as he stood over Stephen's dead body. Okay. The next day, Jeffrey dragged the body to the basement where he began to dissect it and then buried it in a shallow grave in the yard. Several weeks later, he dug the body back up after he buried it and removed the skin from the bones, ah. dissolving them in acid. I, I didn't ah. say it gets good. <laughs> um, he then crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered him, scattered the bits in the woods behind the house. Oh. I mean... He's making sure nobody ever finds this guy because they're looking for a body. They sure as heck ain't ever going to find it. Um, And he's 18, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like like pretty crazy for like the first kill. Oh, yeah. He didn't didn't start out light. Yeah, usually it starts out pretty light and it progressively gets worse. But this is just like pulling out all the stops. If it tells you anything, he does get worse. So it's like, mm. instead of starting out light and getting worse, he starts out bad and gets even more bad, you know? Cool. Can't wait. Yeah. Okay. In, <laughs> August, <laughs> in August, Jeffrey had enrolled in Ohio State University. He was a Buckeye, which means he's our enemy because we are the Mountaineers. I had to think about yeah. it. All right. But he dropped out after one turn because he was so consumed by his alcohol that his GPA was 0.45. Oh. His blood alcohol content was higher than his GPA. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> his father and his new fiance found out that Jeff was living alone, so they came back to the house, at which time they pushed Jeffrey to join the army in January 1979. There he trained as a medical specialist at Fort Sam in Houston, uh, Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio. Uh, six months later, he was stationed in Bumholder, West Germany, where he was listed as technically an average soldier. So he wasn't doing bad. He was actually doing pretty okay in the army. Two soldiers, though, later attested that they had been raped by Jeffrey Dahmer while in the army. Um, one stated in 2010, uh, not that it happened in 2010, in an interview in 2010, that Dahmer had repeatedly raped him over a 17-month period while they were both stationed in Germany. While this other soldier believes that Dahmer had actually drugged him and raped him in the armored personnel carrier in 1979. Hmm. Um, So he's doing real good. In March 1981, he was deemed unsuitable for military service. No, duh. (laughs) Um, And he was later discharged from the army, but they gave him an honorable discharge. So the monster that is Hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer is honorably discharged. During a debriefing on March 24th, 1981, he was offered a plane ticket to anywhere he wanted to go. They said, since we, you're letting you, we're letting you out, just tell us where you want us to send you, and we'll send you there. So he took the opportunity to go to Miami Beach, Florida. So they're like, okay. So he claimed he didn't want to face his father, and he was tired of the cold, um, which, yeah, Ohio is cold. Uh, this didn't last really long because he was living in a motel, but he spent most of his salary on alcohol and he was evicted due to the fact that he wasn't paying. Um, he gave up in September and then when his dad called, he said, dad, can I move home? So he relocates back. He moved in with his dad and now his stepmom, but within two weeks he was arrested for drunk and disorderly contact, uh, conduct and fined $60. 
they tried to break him of the alcohol, but and it didn't work. So then his father sent him to live with his grandmother in West Alice, um, or West Ellis, I'm not really sure, Wisconsin. While living with his grandma, he got a job as a phlebotomist. Could you imagine Jeffrey Dahmer taking your blood? (laughs) (sighs) But he was working as a phlebotomist in Milwaukee Blood Plasma Center. He kept the job for 10 months before getting laid off, which led him to him being unemployed for two years and just living off his grandma. This poor grandma. Um, In August 1982, Jeffrey was arrested for indecent exposure. He went to Wisconsin State Fair Park and exposed himself to a group of 25 women and children. Okay. What What is happening in your head? Like That doesn't really fit his M.O. either. Why not? He's a sexual predator. Yeah, but usually on men. It's more about the attention, I think. That's I true. Mean, I don't think it has anything to do with sexual gratification. I think it's about the shock value and getting attention. Yeah. I mean, if you pull your wiener out in a group of 25 anybody's, they're going to yeah. be like, what the hell? So... <laughs> Um, in January 1985, he got a job at a chocolate factory. Okay, this monster made chocolate. <laughs> like, could you imagine when this comes out later and they're like, and at one point he worked at the Hershey factory in Pennsylvania or whatever, and somebody's holding a chocolate bar and they're like, oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he worked the night shift. Soon after getting the job, he was, he propositioned a teenage boy for oral sex. So you're a fucking pedophile. Mm-hmm. Um, at West Alice Public Library. Jeffrey didn't respond. Like, uh, oh, so, no, sorry. The the child, the teenage boy propositioned him. So the, the teenage boy was a sex worker. He came up to Jeffrey oh. and, you know, he offered him. Jeffrey didn't respond to the offer, but it actually started his, his fantasy of controlling teenage boys. So this is what happened. This is the point he realized he wanted somebody younger. So, okay, Epstein, you're gross. Um, Both their names are Jeffrey, right? Yep. Monsters. Um, So then he started frequenting gay bars and bathhouses. Weird fact, at the same time he's this, I cannot, so sorry, it's weird. At the same time he was doing that, he stole a male mannequin from a store and used it for sex stimulation until his grandma found it and threw it away. Oh, <laughs> that poor grandma is like, what is this? And why is it all sticky? Oh, <laughs> He's God. like, no, grandma, no. You know? <laughs> oh, all right. So, yeah, that's. I mean, if you think you can't get weirder than him being like, I want to dominate a man. He's literally fucking a fucking doll. Like, okay. So Jeffrey was actually able to find partners at bars. And it wasn't that hard because Jeffrey at this point wasn't a bad looking dude. Yeah. It wasn't until later that he gets real creepy that he lets himself go. But, I mean, back then he wasn't that, I guess he was the average man. So, he didn't he didn't have a lot of trouble. Um, so, he was picking up partners at bars, and he, um, he started getting aggravated while he was having sex with them because they were moving. You know, like what people do during sex, yeah. you know, they move. It was making yeah. him mad. So then he started to drug them with sleeping pills by putting it in their drinks. Oh, Lord. Yeah, he wanted somebody who wasn't going to move at all. So you don't want to have sex with a person. You want to have sex with furniture. Like, <laughs> um, so he started drugging them, and unfortunately he started raping them. Oh, I hate this. 
After 12 times of doing this, his membership to the bathhouse was revoked because they started to realize that every guy he went home with tend to black out. And so instead of calling the cops, they just told him you couldn't come back. Um, so he started taking them back to hotels instead of to the bathhouse. Another weird fact is after this, he saw an obit for a teenage boy and decided he wanted to dig up the body to have sex with it. But he realized that digging up a grave is actually a lot of work. So he just didn't do it anymore. Yeah. Did he start? Yeah, he tried, but he realized it was a lot of work. Oh my God. So, he may be a serial killer, but he's probably the laziest one. He waited for a guy, and he didn't run, so he gave up. I mean, I'm not saying it's good. I mean, it's, it's not bad. I'm glad he did, you know, because this gave, one, the guy didn't get raped while jogging. Two, this poor dead kid wasn't defiled. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he really is the laziest person I've ever seen. Um, in, God, in August 1986, he was caught masturbating in front of two 12-year-old boys. But he talked mm-hmm. his way out of it by saying he was just peeing and didn't know they were there. Oh, okay. And the cops were like, no, okay. So they sounds, just gave him... Sounds good. They gave him one year of probation for urinating in public. <laughs> oh, man. Alright. Um, on November 20th, 1987, while he was still living with his grandma, Jeffrey met a 25-year-old young man from Ontogagon. Ontogagon. Octagon, Michigan, in a bar. His name was Stephen Tommy. Um, he was talking. He was talking to join Jeffrey at his hotel room at the Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee. According to Jeffrey, he actually had no intentions of murdering this guy, rather just inter- in, intended to drug and rape him while he lay unconscious. Good job, Jeff. I mean, I'm glad to know that you didn't want to. You fucking liar. <laughs> Jeffrey claimed later that he actually woke up to Stephen next to Stephen to find his chest crushed in and he was covered in blood and black and bruises. So he claims he doesn't remember anything. He mm-hmm. says they were having sex. He passes out in quotation. I know Taylor can see it. Quotations. Passes out. Wakes up to this guy's chest cave in and says, well, no. Mm-hmm. But so he stated he had no memory of the killing and he saw blood coming from the corner of his mouth and that his fists were bruised. Like just fists were bruised. So he's like, Looking at his hands, looking at the guy's chest, and he's like, what the hell? No, you did not, homie. You know what you did. Um, and then he said he had no memory and stated out loud, I couldn't believe this ha- happened. What the heck did I do? Um, no. But so Jeffrey bought a large suitcase and tried to move the body into it so that he could bring it to his grandma's house because they were in a hotel. But before this happened, <laughs> what actually had happened and they figured it out later when he said he woke up next to the body. No. He actually tried to pummel the guy's chest in, and he was trying to tear at his skin and open up his chest so he could remove his heart with his bare hands. Oh, fun. Um, so, of course, he moved the body. After a week, he cut the head off, the arms off, and the legs. This is the only time I'm really going to go into what he did to our murder because he kind of consistently did it over and over again, so I'm not going to repeat it. So this is probably the only time you're going to hear this. Um, so he cut off all the extremities and then he cut the flesh off the body in small pieces and placed them inside of plastic garbage bags. He then wrapped the bones inside a sheet and smashed them with a sledgehammer. Took him about two hours to do this and he threw everything in the trash except the head. He kept the head for two weeks 
Then he boiled it in a mixture of Soylex and bleach, and he started using the skull to masturbate with. <laughs> skull became so brittle that he destroyed it. So he did it so often that he destroyed the skull. The rest of Stephen has actually never been found. Oh, wow. um, two months after killing Stephen, Jeffrey encountered four, 14-year-old sex worker by the name of James Dockstater. Sorry, bro. I didn't mean to, to butcher your last name. Dockstater. He was lured to Jeffrey's grandma's home with the offer to pose for news for $50. But $50 doesn't sound like a lot now, but this is in the 70s. So, yeah. um, So then they had sex. And then Jeffrey drugged him and then strangled him in the cellar, left his body there for a week. And then he performed the same mutilation on this body as he did Stephen. There's no reason for me to go over it all again. You heard it once, that's yeah. good enough. On March 24th, 1988, Jeffrey met 22-year-old Richard Guerro, or Guerro outside of a gay bar. He lured Richard to his grandma's house once again with the promise of $50 to spend the night. He then drugged Richard with a sleeping pill, strangled him to death. He performed oral sex on the body, then he dismembered the body a day later, disposed of it as the same as the previous two victims. I really hate this story. Why did I do this? On April 23rd, Jeffrey lured another young man into the house, drugged his coffee, but he was actually interrupted by his grandma screaming, Jeff, is that you? And he's down there with this person. He's like, no, grandma. Um, she found Jeff with another man, so Jeffrey decided not to kill the guy. And then dropped him off at the hospital and said, I don't know what happened. So his grandma literally saved his dude's life. Um, in September 1988, Jeffrey's grandma kicked him out of the house because she was so tired of him bringing home men. And she was tired of the weird smells that came from her basement and her garbage. She didn't question it. She just didn't like it. So, mm -hmm. so she kicks him out. This led to him getting his own one-bedroom apartment on September 25th. So now this guy is literally living on his own and he can do whatever he wants. So the following day, he was arrested for drugging and sexually fonding a 13-year-old boy who he had lowered to his home on the pretext of posing for nudes. A fucking 13-year-old boy. So, um, guys, that's not an underaged person. That's a fucking child. Just want to say that because I keep hearing this, like, the whole thing with these child sex slave rings and they keep calling them underaged women and underage men they're not underage they're children yeah okay i would drop my mic but you paid for it so um he was convicted of second degree assault but the sentencing was pushed to may of 1989 so he's got plenty of time in october he moved back with his grandmother in november jeffrey lured 24 year old aspiring model anthony sears to the house they met at a gay bar, and Jeffrey later claimed he had no intention of committing the crime um, that night, but Anthony approached him, and Jeffrey started to talk to him, and just kind of went from there. He's like, I don't really have any intentions. When they got to Jeffrey's grandmother's home, because you remember, he's living with her again, they had oral sex, then Jeffrey drugged Anthony, strangled him to death. The next morning, he put the body in a bathtub where he decapitated the body, stripped the flesh from the body, and destroyed the bones. Um, <sighs> but... He found this victim to be extremely attractive, so it was the first time he decided to preserve the head and genitalia in acetone. Ugh. Um, you know, if you find somebody attractive, instead of decapitating them and putting their balls in a jar, you could keep them alive and treat them good. I mean, <laughs> I know that's that's a stretch. That sounds crazy. I know. <laughs> why, why am I the only one who thinks this is okay? Ugh. 
Um, okay, so that's gross. Acetone is fingernail polish remover. Yeah. How's it not dissolving it? That's how what does I was preser- I was like, how does it preserve? It peels paint. Like, yeah, okay. I don't know. On May 23rd, 1989, Jeffrey was finally sentenced for the September crime. So, you remember how I said it was like, he got arrested in September and they kind of just let him go about? If they had kept him in prison while he was awaiting trial for being a pedophile, this guy would have never died. But no, Jeffrey Dahmer was a young, white, male. So, of Mm -hmm. course, they were like, he's fine. Um, God, it makes me so mad. So, on May 23rd, 1989, he was finally sentenced for the September crime. He claimed that he had actually seen the error of his ways and that the arrest marked a turning point in his life. Yeah. And they're like... His defense counsel argued that he needed treatment, not incarceration. And the judge agreed. Because he oh seemed like gosh. a fine young man. So he got five years probation and one year on ho- uh, in the House of Corrections with work permit to allow him to keep his job during the day. He also had to register as a sex offender. But registering as a sex offender in the 70s didn't mean shit because nobody knows. Mm-hmm. So... On May 14th, 1990, uh, Dahmer had moved out of his grandma's house again into the 1924 North Street apartment 213. Pretty sure this, I think this is the apartment he stayed at for a while that they end up having to demolish because it was like they had found all these bodies. Um, He took the mummified head and genitalia with him. Within a week of moving, Jeffrey lured 32-year-old Raymond Smith to his apartment with the promise of $50 for sex. He laced... (laughs) Jeffrey laced Raymond's drink with sleeping pills, then strangled him to death. The next day, he purchased a camera and took several suggestive photos of the body before dismembering it in a bathtub. This guy is literally the grossest thing ever. Why did I do this? (laughs) And we're like... It's on the top ten list. Whoever made that list is a fucking freak. (laughs) Okay. He boiled the arms and legs and pelvis. He dissolved. And the reason I'm reading it so cheery is not because I'm having fun with this. It's because if I don't smile while speaking, I'm going to cry. So I just need everyone to know that I'm not like, and then he, that's not how I feel. I'm sure Taylor has seen me grab my cheeks a few times and I'm like, "Eh." okay. He boiled arms, legs, and pelvis. He dissolved the remainder of Smith's skeleton, excluding the skull, in a container filled with acid. He later spray-painted Smith's skull gray and placed it alongside the skull of Sears upon a black towel inside a metal filing cabinet. Okay. I don't know why he's doing this. I can't, I can't even give you an explanation. I don't think he ever tells us why he's storing them in a filing cabinet. But about a week later, um, Jeffrey Lord... <laughs> This part is the best. I want everyone to know this is my favorite part of the whole story. Jeffrey lured another young man to his apartment, but accidentally laced his own drink, passed out, woke up, and found the guy had robbed him. Yes. Yay! I'm like... I'm just saying, like, I would never wish crime like that on somebody, but at the same time, he deserves it. This guy, his life was spared because Jeffrey's a moron. And then while Jeffrey's passed out, he stole $300 and his watch. Can you imagine being that person and being like, holy shit, I escaped death? Well, not only that, he's like watching the news and he's looking at the watch on his wrist and he's like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. 
me as a weirdo would be like, now that he's a serial killer and people love serial killer shit, I'm selling this watch for everything it's worth. Mm-hmm. It's like you could buy a postcard from Ten Bundy for like ten grand. Like, and I'm like, this is the watch. This is the watch I stole from him when he laced his own fucking drink. <laughs> I just, how do you do that? This guy is so good at this that he gets away with all these murders, but he can't lace the wrong. Okay, <laughs> just like. I'm really happy it happened. He deserved it. Um, the guy should have just set the whole fucking place on fire. But In June 1990, Jeffrey coaxed a 27-year-old male by the name of Edward Smith to the apartment. He drugged and strangled him. He placed the skeleton in the freezer for several months. He tried to dry out the skull on the stove, but instead it accidentally exploded. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> I just... If this was Jeffrey Dahmer and it was, like, not murder, but he was, like, the the weird antics of your weird neighbor and he's, like, exploding lava cakes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, you know, oh, Jeffrey laced his own drink. Oh, he blew up a cake. Like, it would be kind of funny. But instead, it's people. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad bad things are happening to him. I hope it singed off his eyebrows. So... All right. Less than three months later, Jeffrey Lord, he is kicking him out like boom, boom, boom. This is really upsetting, actually. Um, Jeffrey Lord, 22-year-old Ernest Miller to the apartment for $50. He asked that the victim be allowed to listen. Okay. So he essentially just asked the guy if he could listen to his heart and stomach. So he's like, yeah. And then while Jeffrey's listening to his stomach, he tries to move further down. And Ernest is trying to be flirty because, you know, he's pay- he's getting paid for sex. So he's trying to be mm-hmm. flirty and he says, uh-uh-uh, that's going to cost you more. So Jeffrey goes, okay, and drugs him. All right, so Jeffrey drugs him um, and then he slashed Ernest's carotid artery. My heart goes out to this guy because he thought he was just having a fun date. And, like, and, and I guess the problem is, is because he went, uh-uh-uh. It's like it makes it flirty, which means, like, he thinks he's having a good time. That makes how, it worse. I mean, how is his whole apartment not covered in blood at this point? I don't know how he's doing it this way. I would imagine yeah. slicing somebody's carotid artery does not spray. Yeah. So as he drugging them and then putting him in the bathtub, maybe I don't know. Well, he's dismembering him in the bathtub, but yeah. Because he after he did that, he posed the body for suggestive photos and dismembered him in the tub. So, I mean, I, I understand the tub is easy cleanup, but yeah, when he's killing these people, it's just like on carpet. Yeah, I don't know. Um, this part's really gross, and I'm so sorry. After he dismembers it in the tub, he continues to kiss the head the whole time. Like, like he'll, he would cut off a limb and then kiss its forehead. And then, like, Ugh. cut off another limb and kiss him. It's so fucked up. It's kind of like he... He thinks he's being sweet. You know, like, <sighs> something is wrong with you. Yeah. He then wrapped the heart, biceps, and portions of flesh from the legs in a plastic bag and in the fridge, so he said he was going to try to eat them later. He said, but the thing is, is when they, when he got arrested, he kind of just blurt. he's like Ted Bundy. He's like, I'll talk about it, anything you want to know. Mm-hmm. So he would always say, I, I, I saved it to eat for later, but he never said I did. That's where I said he kind of alluded to it. Yeah. So, like, we can believe he was eating people, but we really don't have any hard proof. We, 
I mean, I think he was, but we never have to hear him describe it, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> he preserved the skeleton by boiling it, bleaching, and painting, and then coating with enamel. On September 24th, Jeffrey persuaded 22-year-old David Thomas to come back to the apartment for drinks. He drugged David and then realized he wasn't attracted to him, but he was afraid if David woke up and realized he was drugged, he'd be mad. So instead, he just killed him. Um, what? So pretty much for no reason. Yeah, because he said, essentially, he brought him home, knocked him out, and realized that he wasn't actually attracted, and it was better to kill him than to let him wake up and be mad. Yeah. Um, I don't want to know. I Just what kind of reasoning is going... Okay, you know what? Whatever. Um, so then he strangled him, photographed the dismemberment, but he didn't keep any parts of the body because he didn't like this one. In February 1991, Jeffrey ran into a 17-year-old boy named Curtis Strotter at a, bu- a bus station near Marquette University. He lured him to his apartment with the offer for money for posing for nudes. Um, he then drugged Curtis, strangled him with a leather strap, then dismembered him, preserving the skull, hands, and genitalia. On April 7th, Jeffrey encountered 19-year-old Errol Lindsay. He was a straight male, but he was lured to the apartment, drugged. Then Jeffrey, whoo, ready? Drilled a hole in his head, poured hydrochloric acid into it. He claimed later that Errol actually woke up in the middle of it (laughs) and stated he didn't know why, but he had a headache. It's like my worst nightmare. So then Jeffrey drugged him again, then decapitated him to make sure he didn't wake up again, cut off the flesh, and saved it for later. Hmm. Okay. Fellow residents began complaining about foul odors and the sounds of chainsaws coming from his apartment. (laughs) You think you have bad neighbors, but then you've got, like, fucking Jeffrey here, who always smells like rotten meat, and you hear, in the middle of the night, so. Um, Yeah. And I complained about my neighbors trying to fight me for my parking spot. (laughs) How silly of me. The apartment (laughs) building manager decided he would speak to Jeff. Um, So he went to the apartment. Jeff claimed that it was actually due to his freezer breaking and that his meat was spoiling. Also that he had tropical fish that died. Which, I mean, I have tons of tropical fish that die all the time, as everybody knows. And they do not (laughs) smell like rotting bodies. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> all right yeah thank you all right we know it from the tropical serial killer fish here that firsthand that's not how they smell but he promised he would take care of it and it would never happen again so the landlord's like okay so march uh, nope may 23rd jeffrey lord 31 year old tony hughes to the apartment he killed him left his naked body on the floor of the apartment he didn't even bother dismembering this one he just left him on the floor okay Three days later, May 26, 1991, Jeffrey approaches 14-year-old Conorak Synthesophone. I do apologize. He is a Lao, and it's like 18 letters, so it is hard. I mean, no disrespect. I just cannot. Um, by coincidence, this is actually the younger brother of one of the boys that Jeffrey molested in 1988. Small world. How the fuck does that happen? Mm-hmm. So, so that means two brothers are now the victims of Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. He offered the boy money to come back to the apartment to pose for pictures. Conark was reluctant, but ultimately decided to go. He posed for two pictures in his underwear before he was drugged and then molested. Jeffrey then drilled a hole in his skull, injected hydrochloric acid into the frontal lobe. He was essentially performing an at-home lobotomy. The boy was awake the whole fucking time. How, though? 
He's drugged, but he's not unconscious. Ugh. Yeah. And stuff like that doesn't always knock you out. Like, just getting something drilled through your... You know how people, like, will be driving down the road and a pole will come through their windshield and, like, go into yeah. their abdomen and they're awake the whole time? I guess it's strange. But then you can get hit in the head with a baseball and pass out. So, yeah. Um, all right. So he's a whole... <laughs> he's awake the whole time. Um, then he led Conrad to the bedroom where he looked directly at the previous victim's body, Tony, who's laying on the floor. But poor Conrad is so out of it because he's drugged and now he has a freaking hole in his head that he didn't even react. He, I don't even think he noticed. So he saw it, but he didn't see it. He fell unconscious and Jeffrey sat next to him and just chugged some beers, ran out, and then decided to just go outside and get more. So he leaves this 14-year-old naked bleeding boy next to a body. While he's gone, Conorak actually regained consciousness and wandered outside. Jeffrey came back to find him naked and sitting on the corner of the street, talking in loud to three young women while he looked while they looked shocked. So Jeffrey approached the group and explained that Conorak was actually his friend John, and he tried to drag him away. But of course the women were like, fuck you, and they called 911. Yeah. Upon the arrival of two piece-of-shit Milwaukee police officers, John Balzarak and Joseph Gabrish, Dahmer's demeanor was really relaxed. He played it off real well. He informed the officers that Conorak was his 19-year-old boyfriend who had gotten drunk, and this happened all the time. So, you're telling me that he gets drunk, naked, bleeds out of his head and ass, and runs out on the street all the time, and the officers are like, okay. So, the three women were exasperated, and they were, like, literally trying to scream at the cops. Because they're like, yeah. he's bleeding from his head and his rear. And they're like, you cannot let him go back. So, and then at that point, one of the officers harshly informed that lady to shut the fuck up and not interfere. It's not her business. Wow. The officers covered Conrad with a towel and walked him back into the apartment where they saw the photos of him in his underwear and believed that he was a lover. While inside, officers noted a strange smell. Um, you know, the dead bodies laying on the floor? They smelled that. <laughs> yeah. The officer peeked his fucking head in the bedroom, didn't see the body, and left. Wow. World's best officers right here. Oh, by the way, later when Jeffrey Dahmer comes out and explains all this, those cops get suspended with pay. Cool. That's it? They literally handed a boy over. Their blood is on his hand. His blood is on their hands, and they get pay. Cool. All right. So as soon as the officers left the apartment, Jeffrey again began injecting hydrochloric acid into Conrad's brain, but this time it did kill him. So it's these fucking officers' fault. Jeffrey took the next day off of work and began dismembering his body and also the body of the man laying on the floor. He kept both their skulls. On June 30th, Jeffrey traveled to Chicago where he met 20-year-old Matt Turner at a bus station. He talked Matt into returning to Milwaukee for a professional photo shoot professional in quotations once in the apartment he drugged strangled and dismembered him with his organs and head placed in a bag in the freezer matt was never reported missing because he was a gay man in the 70s and 80s and back then it didn't matter if a gay man went missing nobody cared they just reported him as a runaway and the only reason they ever knew later was because jeffrey dahmer did an interview um, with the police where he told him about this guy. That's the only reason they knew. So they would have never known. It's fucking disgusting, but... Okay. 
Only five days later, July 5th, Jeffrey lured 23-year-old Jeremiah Weinberg from Chicago, a Chicago bar to his apartment on the promise of spending a lovely weekend together. Jeremiah was drugged, and then Jeffrey injected boiling water into his skull, which put him into a coma, and he died two days later after, like, suffering. Mm. I can't even have boiling water touch my skin when I'm trying to make ramen. Could yeah. you imagine that in your head? Oh my gosh. Jeffrey Dahmer's a fucking sick monster. So I'm sure you're wondering, why is he doing lobotomies of acid and, w- and water? Well, actually, a lot of people believe he was trying to make a sex-zombie-slave hybrid. Um, but he later stated, I'm not a necrophiliac. I just wanted a sex slave. But you've already had sex with dead bodies and talked about digging up a 13-year-old boy's grave to have sex with it. You are a necrophiliac. Moving on. Ten days later, on July 15th, Jeffrey encountered 24-year-old Oliver Lacey at the corner of 27th and Kilbourne. Oliver agreed to pose nude for photos and went to Jeffrey's apartment where the two engaged in sexual activity until Oliver was drugged and kept alive longer than the other victim. He had actually tried to knock out Oliver with chloroform and it didn't work. So instead he called off work the next day because he wanted more time with him, which by the way, it doesn't, I, I cut it out, but I remember this part. He had called off of work and he was killing somebody and then the next day they fired him because they were like, you keep calling off for weird reasons. Hmm. He eventually strangled Oliver and then raped his body before cutting it up. Okay, bro, you just said you weren't a necrophiliac. Okay. Mm-hmm. He placed the heart and the head in the freezer. He would later confess he was actually saving the heart to eat. So once again, alluding to it. Four days later, on July 19th, he came across 25-year-old Joseph Bradhoff. Um, He made this one pretty quick. No drugging, no experiments, no nothing. He got him home, strangled him, left him for dead on the bed for two days. So this guy's dead body is just laying on a bed. For 48 hours. So on July 21st, he attempted to change the sheets on the bed where he found maggots were already in the heads of the victim. Gross. So you know how he fixes that, right? He cuts the head off, cleans it, then places it in the fridge, and he acidifies the torso. On July 22nd, 1991, Jeffrey approached three men with the offer of $100 for them to join him in the apartment to pose nude together, drink some beer, keep him company. Two said no, but 32-year-old Tracy Edwards agreed. I mean, $100 is a lot of money back then. And, I mean, I sprayed myself in the mouth with mace once for $5. (laughs) What? So, it was high school, and I thought I was, like, this edgy goth girl, and somebody was like, $5 oh, to spray your mouth, which for the next five hours, I had to keep my tongue pressed firmly against the palate of my mouth, or it burned like I was dying. <laughs> um, so I can't say that I wouldn't have, you know, been like, $100? I mean, what is that now? 200 Okay. Oh, all right. So, and I mean, they all said, like, we'll just take photos and hang out. I'm like, yeah. okay, you know? I sent nudes to for free to pieces of shit ex-boyfriends. All right. So as soon as they entered the apartment, Tracy noticed a foul smell and boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor, which Jeffrey just explained away by saying, I use that to clean bricks. So they just chatted for a bit and Jeffrey distracted Tracy by saying, look at the pretty tropical fish. So while Tracy's looking at the fish, Jeffrey slams a handcuff on his hand. Um, so Tracy was like, what the fuck are you doing? And Jeffrey unsuccessfully tried to handcuff his other wrist. So then he made Tracy go to the bedroom where he made him pose for more pictures. 
While in the room, Tracy saw nude male posters on the wall and a video of The Exorcist 3 was playing in the background, which we we don't know why. Mm, that's what, weird. The creepiest movie in the creepiest apartment yeah. with the creepiest man. Like, this is fine. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. So, he also noted a 57-gallon drum in the corner with a strong odor, which I believe is actually holding the acid where he used to acidify the torso of the previous man. So, Jeffrey then pulled out a knife and told Tracy he was going to take those photos now. In the effort to appease Jeffrey, Tracy slowly unbuttoned his shirt and said, I'll take the photos, but you need to take the handcuffs off, and also, it would be easy to be sexy if you didn't have a knife. So this yeah. guy Tracy is a fucking hero, by the way. Like he is really he's playing it smart. I mean, he's like he already knows he's in danger. This guy pulled out a knife and he's over here yeah. like, Listen, Jeff, it would be sexy if you put it away. You know, he's playing to what he knows he needs to play to. So good for him. Um so Jeffrey turned his attention on the TV and started watching The Exorcist. And then he started begin <laughs> to begin rocking back and forth and chanting before looking back at Tracy. He then placed his head on Tracy's chest and listened to his heart racing while he pressed the knife against Tracy's throat. It was at this time that Jeffrey let Tracy in on a secret. He told Tracy, I'm going to eat your heart. Uh, um, Tracy, <laughs> Tracy, of course, did not want that to happen. So he said, Jeffrey, <laughs> listen, we're friends. I have no intention of running away. But he actually fully intended to jump out the bathroom window. But he said, yeah. I don't have any intention of running away. We're friends. You can trust me. So to try to earn the trust, Tracy said he asked Jeffrey to use the bathroom. After going, he came right back down, sat on the t uh, in the living room with him, and drank a beer in front of the air conditioner. So he tested this again. He said, I need to go to the bathroom another time. He goes to the bathroom. He comes right back. So he's essentially he's earning his trust. Like he's gone to the bathroom yeah. twice now without trying to run away. So Jeffrey's like, all right, maybe he's not going to run. So knowing that Jeffrey trusted him, I'm sorry. Yeah. Knowing that Jeffrey trusted him, he asked one more time if he can go to the bathroom. But at this point, Jeffrey was actually suffering from a momentary lapse of concentration. I think he was just like zoned out. So at this point, um, Tracy noticed that Jeffrey wasn't holding the handcuffs anymore and he didn't see the knife so he took the time to punch Jeffrey Dahmer in the fucking face knocked him on his ass and ran out the door yes he had been held captive in that apartment for five hours oh my gosh but he's free I bet that five hours felt like forever oh my god I mean have you ever planked for ten seconds <laughs> If you think that's long, like, all right. So Tracy ran down the road and at 11.30 p.m. on July 22nd, he came across two cops on the corner of North 25th Street. The officers noted the handcuff was actually still hanging off his wrist, to which Tracy told him, in quotations, a fucking freak had done it. And he asked, can you take it off? But unfortunately, their cuff keys actually didn't work on it. So he then agreed to lead them back to Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. So imagine mm -hmm. running out of there and then having to go back. So literally, because their key didn't work, he, they were like, we gotta go back. Well, I mean, yeah, they're like, we need the key to get you out. Also, if he's, you need, I mean, if he's as bad as you say, we should probably arrest him. So I, I think yeah. it was a multitude of reasons. So they go back to the apartment, and when the officers and Edwards arrived at apartment 213, Dahmer just invited the cops inside and acknowledged that he did place the handcuffs on Edwards' hand, but 
offered no explanation of why. Um, so they're like, dude, what the hell? And he's like, it was me. And they're like, why? And he's like, it was me. <laughs> um, so Tracy then said right in front of Jeffrey, like looked him dead in the face and was like, he had the large knife as a weapon and the attack started in that bedroom. So ignoring the part about the knife, Jeffrey told officer Ralph Muller, Muller that the key was in, in the bedroom. It was inside the dresser. So Muller entered the bedroom and Dahmer actually attempted to rush past officer Muller to retrieve the key himself. Whereupon the second officer, Robert Routh, informed him he needed to back the fuck off. Yeah. Like, what you doing trying to show past the cop? But it's because nothing good can come of what's about to be found in that dresser. So it yeah. was then that Officer Muller um, found the knife under the bed and noted it down. Then he opened up the drawer where he found the key on top of tons of Polaroids of naked men. Some alive, some dead, and some being mutilated. The officers then took the pictures into the living room to show the other officer Ralph. Jeffrey saw the photos in the hands and began to fight and resist arrest before he was overpowered, knocked to the floor, and cuffed. It was then that Officer Muller opened up the fridge, found the head of a male on the bottom shelf. Oh, wow. So these officers have no idea what they're getting into, and Tracy is over there like, told you he's a freak. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so while Jeffrey was pinned to the floor by Officer Ralph, he said out loud, for what I did, I should be dead. You don't want to die because you, you did something bad. You want to die because you got caught. Just mm-hmm. saying. A search of the apartment revealed two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, three dismembered torsos, four severed heads, seven skulls, some painted, some bleached. Two human hearts and 74 Polaroids showing dismemberment bodies, dis- dismemberment and posed bodies. <sighs> Could you imagine those cops going home and their wives or something being like, how was your day, honey? And they're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't ever want to talk about it. <laughs> All right. Beginning July 23rd, 1991, Jeffrey Dahmer was interrogated for over 60 hours in which he confessed to fucking everything including the murder from Ohio in 1978. So like I said, if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't even know about Matt. He admitted to engaging in necrophilia, even though he said he wasn't a necrophiliac, with several victims' bodies and performing sexual acts on their organs. I'm sorry. On their organs? Oh my god. He did admit to eating parts of the victims, including biceps. Like I said, he never came out and said what he did like he didn't say like well i made hamburger helper you know so one of the main reasons we we pretty sure this is true was because the neighbors had reported they had never ever seen him buy groceries ever and the only meat in the house at the time of the arrest was human meat oh shit so it's pretty safe to assume he ate people but the good thing is is we don't have to go into detail um yeah his trial began January 30, 1992, where he was trying on 15 counts of first-degree murder, to which he pled guilty. His defense team tried to play the insanity card. Trial lasted two weeks to prove he wasn't. He was found sane, sentenced to 10 years for the first two counts, plus mandatory life, plus 70 years. At this point, the death penalty wasn't even an option anymore. He was then indicted to Ohio for the murder of Matt, where he stood trial for 45 man- minutes, minutes, Stood trial for 45 minutes. He was found guilty and sentenced to another life term. His father and his stepmother appeared at the hearing where they hugged Jeffrey and gave him his best wishes. 
They refused to change their last names. And this is his dad and stepmom, not his mom. So they refused to change the last name of Dahmer and profess their love for him, despite what he'd done. Joyce, which was his mother, did indeed change her name, but she did. She died of cancer in 2000. Jeffy's younger brother, David, also changed his name and lived in an enemy. In an enemy. He lived in secret. <laughs> While in prison, other inmates hated him. They reported that he would make his food take the shape of body parts and smear them with ketchup to look like blood while he laughed and made jokes about his victims. Oh, God. Don't worry, girl. He's got it coming. On November 28th, 1994, Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, it just hit me that you and I lived at the same time he did. Yeah. All right. Jeffrey Dahmer, Jesse Anderson, and Christopher Scarver were all left unsupervised in a shower gym for about 20 minutes. It was there that Christopher attacked Jeffrey with a set of weights, beating him in the head and face and leaving him for dead before turning on Jesse Anderson and doing the same thing. Both men were later rushed to the hospital. Jeffrey died an hour later. Jesse died two days later. Christopher stated that God made him do it and they had to die. He was tired of Jeffrey living and laughing it up and having fun talking about the murders he committed while his victims are dead. It's not fair that he gets to enjoy his life and live the best of it while they don't get to breathe anymore. And he was upset because Jesse had been convicted of killing his wife and he showed no remorse. So the guy didn't feel bad about it. So Christopher was pissed. Christopher was actually serving a life sentence for murder, but it was over money. Like, it was a money feud. He didn't do any, like, hate killings. I mean, this guy, Jesse killed his wife and bragged about it. Jeffrey Dahmer raped, killed, mutilated, and tried to make sex zombies, and he laughed about it. And uh, even though Chris wasn't a saint, he definitely um, was the better of the bad. Yeah. He was already serving a life sentence for murder, so he said, fuck it, what's two more? And he killed him. So, good. I hope Jeffrey felt every blow and it hurt. And it's kind of funny, the first guy he ever killed was with a weight. And he dies by a weight. I was thinking that. Yeah. Boom. Upon hearing of his death, Dahmer's mother, Joyce, responded angrily to the media. I quote, now is everyone happy? Now that he's bludgeoned to death, is that good enough for everyone? No, but yes. Right. (laughs) I wish he would have been tortured a little more, but also we're good with it. (laughs) In September 1995, Dahmer's body was cremated and his ashes were divided amongst his parents. Had it been me. I would have flushed them where all the other shit goes. <laughs> the Oxford Apartments at 90, 924 North 25th Street, where Dahmer had been killed, where had killed 12 of his victims, was demolished in November 1992, and the, vacant, the site is now vacant. It's like, anytime something like that happens, like, the house is no longer ever usable. Like, yeah. Gacy's apartment, well, Gacy's house was destroyed, Sylvia Likens, the house she was murdered in, was destroyed, this house, this whole apartment building. Could you imagine being the owner and being there being like, people were murdered in your building. And he's like, fuck. And they're like, so we're going to destroy it. And he's like, son of a bitch. Yeah. He's like, like, I have 20 complexes. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. Maybe you should have uh, investigated more when he said it was just fish dying. Mm-hmm. All right. So the family of 11 victims filed suit and had actually been aware of Jeffrey's estate. All of his positions were gonna, possessions were going to be auctioned off. So a civil a civic group called the Milwaukee Civic Pride quickly established themselves in an effort to raise the funds to purchase everything of Jeff- Jeffrey Dahmer's that went up for sale so that they can destroy it. So that 
they wanted to make sure that they bought everything so some person who collects serial killer stuff couldn't just have it. So they pledged $407,225, including an additional $100,000 gift from Milwaukee real estate developer Joseph Silber. They purchased Jeffrey Dahmer's estate and they destroyed it. They split the money from the estate against uh, for the five, the 11 people. Um, and five of the eight families were represented by the same lawyer. They agreed to the terms. Dahmer's uh, possessions were destroyed and buried in an undisclosed Illinois landfill, so people couldn't find it. And then the victims' yeah. families received the money. Um, I'm going to give you some other information real quick. Let me just give you my sources for this. Sources are My Friend Dahmer by John Bechter, Wikipedia, Biography.com, slash Jeffrey Dahmer, Murders, Victims, and Deaths, Crime Museum, Jeffrey Dahmer, List first the top 10 creepy facts, facts about Jeffrey Dahmer you didn't know. Bullshit. I knew them. Um, and New York Post, Why I Killed Jeffrey Dahmer. So let me pull this up real quick. You're going to see me go goodbye for just a second. Okay, here we go. In September 10th, 1991, an edition of Weekly World News published, 23-year-old Karen Ramason of Southern California professed her love for Jeffrey Dahmer. Ugh. I hate when people do that. She told the newspaper, I don't care what he's done in the past. I know that with a little love and affection, he could have been a wonderful guy. She also said that she was moved by Dahmer when he took responsibility for his crimes and that she knew it meant he was sorry. Um, okay. That's a couple issues here. One, homegirl, he's gay. So you didn't stand a chance anyway. Two, he was a pedophilia, necrophiliac, crazy rapist monster. No amount of love and affection was ever going to change that. Yeah. He drilled holes in people's heads and he raped them and he murdered them. He was not a good guy. And I do have a picture of the that article, um, like that newspaper. And so I'm going to post it with the stuff. Also, um, I should bring up that a lot of people actually believe Jeffrey Dahmer was the res- responsible for Adam Walsh's death. So a little backstory on that. Um, Adam Walsh is the son of John Walsh, which you might recognize him from um, America's Most Wanted. So Adam Walsh and his little brother were, or older brother, I'm not really sure. They were in a mall with their mom shopping. They started a fight. The security guard pushed them out of the store, leaving these little boys alone while their mom was shopping. While they were alone, a male snatched up Adam Walsh, rushed him into a vehicle, and then he was never seen alive again. And then... um, a while later, they found his head in a ravine. They identified it as him. Uh, Otis O'Toole, the serial killer, actually admitted to it, but he also admitted to like 150,000 other murders he didn't do. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't think it was him. Um, John Walsh does, but I think it was more about wanting an answer to why his child was murdered more than... Because, I mean, um, John Walsh actually had to sit down and watch thousands of tapes of little boys being raped to try to see if it, one of them was his kid. Oh my god! So I think he just wanted an answer. People think it was Jeffrey Dahmer, because Jeffrey Dahmer was living in Florida at that time, and he was actually in that mall the day that Adam Walsh was abducted, and he also drove the vehicle that matched the description of what Adam was pushed into. Um, he also had a habit of decapitating his victims, but the reason I—I I mean, I'm not saying it's not him. But the reasons I don't think it was him was, for one, Adam Walsh was kind of young, like, even for Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer, like, 12 and up, and I think Adam was, like, 8. 
I'm not saying that that's the only reason, but also they found his head in a ravine. Jeffrey Dahmer either kept them or destroyed them. He didn't just throw them out. He wasn't that careless. Um, also, he kind of admitted to everything he'd ever done, including the Matt guy in Ohio. And had he never mm-hmm. said it, they never caught him. So he did that. He, he admitted to that because he wanted to. So when they questioned him about Adam, he straight up said, I don't know that kid. That wasn't me. So that leads me to believe it, it wouldn't have been because he would have bragged about it. Yeah. Um, and he would have probably tried to make a little Adam Walsh out of chicken nuggets. So I, I don't think it was him. Um, I mean, but there are a lot of people who wholeheartedly believe that um, Jeffrey Dahmer killed Adam Walsh. But okay, I think um, I think I'm done talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, should we tell everybody what happened or should we cut this part out? Go ahead and tell them. Okay, guys. So, if you're wondering why the second part of this sounds rushed, we recorded the whole thing and it didn't save half of it. And poor Dominique and poor Taylor had to re-talk and re-listen to the whole awful, disgusting story about Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, Before we decided to do it again, I cried. I threatened to jump off a bridge. Taylor cried a little. Because it wasn't just about the recording. I'm like, great, we lost 30 minutes of time. It was the fact that it was 30 minutes of pure hell talking about the awful things that Jeffrey Dahmer had done and it was hard enough the first time and the first worst part of the story too yeah I ran upstairs and told Eric I had to re-record the worst thing I'd ever done um the first time I felt was funnier I felt like I made better jokes at Jeffrey Dahmer's expense because he's a piece of shit I also went on a huge like gay lives matter rant (laughs) because nobody reported Matt missing and it was a beautiful monologue but I was like, I can't do it again. The fire's gone. Like, <laughs> I don't even remember all the stuff I said, but it was it wonderful. Was so good. It was. It was. But okay, all right. So let's do this light over the stove because now it is nine thirty. We've been at it for three hours. Okay, for this light over the stove, it's nothing like great. I've got a bunch of good ideas, but they would have taken a little bit of time. Um, because I've been coming up with like fun games while I'm drunk and writing them down. So this one's pretty simple. I'm just going to do like with this day in history, but I set it for the 20th, which is Monday. Cause that's when this episode comes out. So even while okay. we're recording this Friday night, I'm telling you stuff for Monday, July 20th. So let's go. The first one is the oldest fact I can find. That was like oldest day in history. And it speak to my soul in 1801 on July 20th, Alicia or Elijah Brown jr. Pressed a 1,225 pound ball of cheese at his farm. Um, 1837, Houston Railway. Okay, let me just say real quick. A lot of these day in histories involved a lot of death. So why didn't do, I didn't do any of the death. So if you're like, wow, not a lot happened on this day. Oh no, a lot happened on this day. Like, including the suicide attempt or like the murder attempt on Hitler. There was just a lot of death. So I was like, I'm not doing any of them. Except maybe one. I don't remember. Either way, I try to do it without that, so. Okay, a lot of people died on July 20th. Um, So, Euston Railway Station opens in London at the terminus of London and Birmingham Railroad Railway, and it's actually the city's first inner-city railway station, so, cool. 1858, the first fee ever charged for a baseball game was implemented, and it was 50 cents, and the New York beat the BKLN, which I don't know what that is, 22 to 18. Huh? I thought you said something about feet. Def- no, they defeated. They, or they beat. 
1878, the first telephone was introduced into Hawaii. Oh. That was, that was long distance charges. Um, 1921, Congresswoman Alice Marie Robertson became the first woman to preside over the, U, the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. Girl power. Yes, and that was in 1921. That's a trailblazer right there. We didn't even have rights to vote back then, did we? No. no. Don't ask me about history. I don't think so. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't think so. 1926, a convention of the Methodist Church votes to allow women to become priests. Yay! Okay. 1956, U.S. performs atmospheric nuclear test at Bikini Island. I only put that because it's called Bikini Island. Yeah, <laughs> I figured. <laughs> And I was like, ooh, that's a fun fact. Just like, did you know Spongebob? It's called Bikini Bottom. And it was because originally it was supposed to be an adult show. And the joke was supposed to be crabs. It, there's <gasps> crabs and bikini bottoms. Oh, man. If, have you never looked into, like, the, the weird, like, original idea of Spongebob and how it was, like, this dark, gringy, grungy, gross adult show? And, like, there's supposedly a lost tape of Spongebob where Squidward commits suicide. This all kind of weird. Girl, look into, like, when you get bored, go into the deep dive of, like, Nickelodeon dark web kind of stuff. It's strange. But, okay. So, Bikini Bottoms. All right, here we go. We only got three left. um, Because after 2005, shit just gets really dark. And it's a, a lot of Trump stuff, and I just didn't want to. So, 1960, USSR recovers two dogs. The first living organisms to ever return from space. So I don't know if you know, they sent animals before they sent humans. Yeah. Okay. 1969. Nice. Apollo 11 (laughs) lunar (laughs) module carrying Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin lands on the surface of the moon. Aldrin and Armstrong walk on the moon for seven hours. Uh, Michael Collins remains in orbit for lunar module. Um, So that was on... Yay, I didn't even realize this day in history, like, Monday is the day that um, we first walked on the moon. Or did we? Or, yeah. And this this is where Taylor busted and was like, did you know that they have pictures where it shows there's a string holding the flag to make it move? Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> this is like when I did Mara Murray, and I'm like, and this happened, and you're like, or did it? And then you bust in with your giant experiment, like, conspiracy. All right, my last one. 2005, Canada becomes the fourth country in the world to legalize same-sex marriage after the bill C-38 receives royal assent. assent, assent, I don't know. They said it's okay. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Which I believe that beat America by a lot. Because when Mm -hmm. I was dating Taya and we were talking about, like, possibility being married, at that point, I think, where there was only three states that did it because we were talking about how we would have to go to dc or like new york new york was one of them we're talking about how we would have to travel there but then if something happened west virginia wouldn't um, acknowledge it and on the federal level it wouldn't count either um it didn't happen that long ago because i was working in the same place that i am now so oh yeah we were working together because you went dominique now that it's legal we should get married (laughs) And I was like, girl, don't play with my heart. <laughs> Probably mainly to uh, make yep. people mad that didn't agree with it. So Yeah, there was people who, you remember that one time I got in a fight because he was like, gay love isn't real love. And I looked him dead in the face and I was like, I loved a woman harder than I've ever loved a man. And he was like, oh. 
Well, hey he guys. Also told me that my unborn child was going to hell when I was pregnant, so he can. Because you have, yeah, he called you. He called your child a bastard baby. Yep. Yep. Cool. Um. So also, guys, this is coming out Monday, and it started Friday, but we are running a contest. Um, because I know there are people who follow our Facebook, there are people who follow our Instagram, and then we have listeners who don't follow either. So get on it. But. We are running like a little promotion for a $25 gift card and like there's a couple ways to get entered and you can be entered more than once. Like, um, gosh, what was it you had? If you showed us, you subscribe to our podcast on your player um, or that you showed us. I think one of them was like, show us that you rated us. Yeah. A rate or review, um, which no one's on that yet. One of them is like um, uh, tagging three people in the post. Mm-hmm. And I think you're if you're on Facebook, if you share the post. Um, yeah, and also Instagram, if you share it on your story. Yeah. And if you do all of them, you'll get a point for each of them. And then uh, Friday, the 20, what is it, 4th? Yeah. The 24th at about 12 o'clock, our time, Eastern time stuff. Uh, hillbilly Western time, I don't know. <laughs> uh, at, at our time here at noon. Um, Google West Virginia time, you'll know. And uh, at that time, well, I guess we'll pick a winner. Um, are we going to write it down and put them all in a hat? Is that how we're doing it? Um, I don't know if I'm going to write them down and put them in a hat or if I'm going to go online to one of those like random name generators and put in everybody's name. Oh, okay. But the problem you can is... Put, like, yeah, but you can put the same person's name like three times. If they enter three times, you can put like... I could put Taylor, 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 and then that person has more of a chance to win. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Y'all, I'm living in 2005. Taylor's been teaching me TikTok. <laughs> so. Yeah, get on TikTok, people. Please like our stuff. Like, we are struggling. We spent so much time trying to make some videos, and they didn't get too much love. So we're just trying to get a little bit more love on TikTok. And I'm really tired of TikTok because I keep all these freaking TikTok songs are now invading my life. So, oh, sing us some, Dominique. Nope, because I know what happened <laughs> last time. I'll, I'll, I'll do spoken word poetry. So Eric is playing a game with my son, and they were like, open up the safe. Open it. Open the safe. And I would literally, I'm not singing a Taylor, but I was like, open up the safe. Bitches got a lot to say. Grr. And then Eric was like, what the hell? <laughs> Boom. Boom. Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> Um, and then there was another one, uh, make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. Uh, God, I don't want to feel God. What is that song? What? The one where they're like, they reenact photos of themselves with like, where somebody might've died and they're like, I don't want to feel. Oh yeah. I don't know. Um, that one, there's a bunch of them, but they're getting stuck and they're infiltrating my life and I hate it. I hate TikTok. I hate it. An eight-year-old got TikTok famous because they showed their ceiling caved in. And we spent hours trying to perfect our videos and they didn't go viral like we had hoped. (laughs) If coronavirus can go viral, so can we. I guess. (laughs) Um, okay. So... Anything else? Enter the contest because if you're listening to this, you know, when it comes out on the 20th, you're good. If you're one of those people who listens to this like a week and a half late, 
there's a good chance it's over. So yeah, but if you mean you it doesn't take a lot to enter either, because I've been sending it to people, and people that don't even listen have been able to enter it. So yeah, so if you've got friends who like Starbucks, like be like, hey homie, I'll tag you in a post, and then you tag a bunch of other people. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get entered, you get entered. Uh, and we've got a few people so far. Um, two people cheated and tagged the same people, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't think they listen. So. No, I know that. I think well, I've never seen them before, so I'm pretty sure they like hashtag found Starbucks, and they're like, ooh. <laughs> um, also, I posted that video of true crime in 60 seconds. Uh, Taylor's going to do hers. She's got one, too, for Skylar, and I think she's going to post it. Yeah. On Instagram. I posted mine on Insta and I think we're going to swap because she posted hers on Facebook. So I think mine's going to go on Facebook. Either way, if you guys like them, let us know because we'll keep posting. I mean, I, that was kind of cool to do. Yeah, um, we kind of do like little like summaries of the stories that we tell and then we'll be like, listen to the new episode if you want to hear more or we're kind of going back now. So we'll yeah. do ones that we've already done that way. It gets people listening. Yeah. yeah, and you'd be surprised the amount of information you could slam in 30, 60 seconds, by the way. Uh, it's kind of hard, but yeah. Really? I didn't have that much trouble. I did. I'm just better. No, I'm kidding. Mine was cool. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with my mouth, but it was good. Um, uh, anything, I don't know if there's anything else. Like, We're struggling, y'all. We're trying to get more people. We've got more people than we thought. But, like, at the same time, we feel like we've hit this rut, and we really need your help. So, if you know people who listen to True Crime, tell them. Because we want to keep doing this podcast, but, like, if we're literally going to be stuck at the same spot forever, we can't keep doing it forever. Yeah, because it does take a lot of time. Oh, you mean, like, we don't have lives anymore since we started this in January? (laughs) If we stopped doing this, I wouldn't know what to do with all the extra time. Oh, I mean... I have this and the cookie company, but coronavirus kind of killed my cookie company vibe, so. I may need you to make some for Kyrie's birthday. Okay. Because Kyrie wants something that I don't know how to do. <laughs> um, what else? I think that's really... I'm fucking over it. That's it. Follow us. Oh, okay. Um... Follow us on Instagram at whineaboutmurderpod. Like us on Facebook at Let's Wine About Murder. Email us at whineaboutmurder at yahoo.com. Follow us at TikTok. It's whineaboutmurderpod. Is that what it is? is it? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Okay. All right. I think so. I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll find us. Um, and if you want to follow us on TikTok and you don't know how to find us, just go on our Facebook or our Instagram and look at the video. It has our name on it where we yep. did the videos. Um, all right. That's it. I want to go... I don't have a hint because I don't know what I'm doing. Sorry about it. Well, hey, you guys. Taylor, like, is she's looking. She's open to suggestions. Uh, so if you guys have, like, a story you really, really want to hear, message us. And I've got a list. But, like, I always keep looking at it and going, I don't know. Like, when you open up your cabinet and you have a bunch of food and you're like, I don't want any of this. That's how I, I mean, feel. you want to do what you guys want to hear. So mm-hmm. if you have something that you want covered, let us know. Especially because Taylor will literally just be like, cool, now I don't have to think of something. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Even better if you do the research for her. But <laughs> no, no, no. No, she won't read it if you do that. Don't do that. Um, okay. All right. Uh, are we going to, since we're, real quick, potato. Potato. Well, that was really delayed. Really? Was it because you weren't paying attention? 
No, oh. I was paying attention. Uh, we we didn't match up last time, even though we stared at each other. So, well, we should just you know you could s- splice it. <laughs> and they're like, "Wow, they did really good," and we're like, "Hee hee hee." Okay, <laughs> all right, all right, we're gonna do it. Ready? Mm-hmm. One, two. Stop laughing. Three. Catch you on catch the you flip on the side. Side. You just did not. You put no heart into that. All right, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye.